Welcome to our journey through the Bible. It's been a while. It's been a long while since we haven't had a journey through the Bible. And I'm excited to carry on uh, with the tradition, as it were, as we look at some stories in the Bible that are just so filled with hope. And I hope to share this faith and hope with you from the scriptures. It is with such exceeding joy that I commence and announce the commencement of our journey through the Bible. We studied from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 21, and we saw many lessons that fills our life with faith and hope to carry on. Today we continue and we're looking at Genesis chapter 22, and our title, the theme that we'll be contemplating is, And God Did Tempt Abraham. And I hope that you do have your Bibles as we delve into this. Genesis chapter 22 begins like this. And it came to pass after all these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, right here, we see an alleged contradiction when this verse is compared to James chapter 1, verse 13. There it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God is not tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. The second and even obvious dilemma is found in the type of temptation that Abraham is tried with. The instruction is given from God saying, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. But earlier God had said, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your born woman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Here we see a couple of contradictions that are running inside Abraham's mind. Remember a couple of years earlier, Abraham had listened to Sarah's voice and it was not a good thing. Sarah suggested that um, Abraham have a secondary wife. Now the same voice which led Abraham into a mistake, God is using the same voice to correct him. And so it is almost contradicting to Abraham. But even more than that, God tells Abraham, take thy son, thine only son, which also appears to be a contradiction in Abraham's mind because Abraham had Ishmael as another son, right? But of course, we know that that son had gone away and God had told Abraham explicitly that only Isaac will be the heir of the promise. And so God says, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your born woman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. The instruction to sacrifice Isaac then is very contradicting because Isaac was the promised seed through which all the families of the earth should be blessed. But even more than that, remember God had sent Ishmael and Hagar away and Abraham had hopes in Ishmael, but now Ishmael is gone. Immediately after that, God comes and say, kill Isaac. The, the Patrick is left with no hope, with no choice. It doesn't make sense. Also keep in mind that human sacrifice was very objectionable to God. God condemned human sacrifice 
and even though the heathen people practiced this activity of offering up sacrifices, God hated it. But now what if I told you that it is in these seeming contradictions that Abraham made sense of faith and found hope and comfort? Let's start from the beginning. Verse 1 said, And it came to pass after all these things. After which things exactly? Well, remember from our previous episodes, we saw that Abraham was not always the father of faith. On two different occasions, Abraham lies to save his life. He offers his wife to save his life, pretty much. And then we also learned that um, Abraham listens to Sarai's voice, which says, uh, can you please take my handmaid and let her become your wife? which was not according to God's plan. And so we see Abraham lose patience in, of the, in the promise or patience of the promise and wants to bring the promise by his own works. Now the devil with much more detail and drama accused Abraham before God of his imperfections and how he was unworthy of the covenant. Now just so you know, I'm not making this up. Read Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 with me. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. It is pretty much his full-time job. He did the same thing with Job. And when Moses was finished writing the book, he also was accused. And that's how we read in Jude 9 of how God or Jesus Michael was disputing the body of Moses with the devil. And so God tasted Abraham to disprove the devil's accusations and also to show all the heavenly intelligences the plan of salvation. This story unfolds at a time when Abraham is enjoying prosperity all around. Abraham was very rich. He was living in a peaceful, quiet, uneventful days. And all of a sudden, God comes and says, Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, and sacrificing, uh, take Isaac and go to the mount, which I will show you. It is at this point that God tempts him. The good news is the temptation used in the Old Testament and the temptation used in the New Testament are very different. The word tempt in Hebrew means to try, to test, to prove. Whereas when studied in the Greek, it means to entice, especially as in the context of James chapter 1 verse 13, to entice, to cause the sin. So pretty much also we have to consider the context in which the words are used. In the context of Genesis chapter 22, the word tempt means to try, to test, to prove, to find out. Whereas in the context of James 1, and when you read the entire chapter, you find that James is actually speaking about the word temptation in terms of leading to sin. And so the devil who is our accuser will tempt us to sin, but God will always try us in order for us to win to perfect our character. Abraham obeyed God, even in the middle of all these contradictions and temptations, and so should we be. We read in Hebrews 11, 
verse 17 to 19, that by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of him it was said, that in Isaac thy seed shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him figure. So Abraham knew that God was able to raise him up from the dead, and so he went on and sacrificed. Abraham did not know truly what was going on. He did not know that he was being tested. He thought it was for real, and yet he obeyed God. Here we see that God uses seeming, seemingly contradictory things to point us to something bigger. That's the purpose of a contradiction. A contradiction cancels two things out to point to a higher, elevated thought. And that's the same thing that happens in Genesis chapter 22. By the end of the story, Abraham knows that it's not about him, but it's about the father. Abraham understands that it's not even about Isaac, it's about Jesus. The story that we find in Genesis chapter 22 is a miniature of the character of God. When Abraham offers, uh, well, he's about to offer Isaac, he hears a voice saying, Abraham, Abraham, do not sacrifice thy lad. And he's pointed to a sacrifice, a lamb that is caught in the thicket, and that's what uh, they bring and they offer to God. And so Abraham calls that the name of that place Jehovah Jireh as a result. The beauty of the story here is it points to Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. But I want, as we close, I want to share something even much deeper and sweeter. When you read the story of Genesis chapter 22, it makes you wonder, why is Abraham not really uh, touched with the fact that he's gonna kill his son? Is his faith getting into the way of him being a father? And we have to understand something very important as to how the word of God was written. The style in which Genesis chapter 22 was written is a style that, that lets out those details but points out the way, the way Abraham's mind is working through the actions he did. So the characterization is not through verbal articulation of the words, but it is through the actions. Let's go to Genesis chapter 20. Read with me from verse one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham, focus on verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. This is very crucial. The details explained here are very crucial. They give us an insight into Abraham's mind, which is otherwise not even mentioned. Abraham is troubled. 
we see from these minute details that Abraham rises up early in the morning. Abraham now goes ahead and um, takes his his uh, two young men with him, and he, he he cuts the wood and he puts everything together. We see in this delay Abraham's dilemma. We see in this delay Abraham's confusion, as it were. And to add insult to injury, Abraham is given three days to travel. What insult or torture must have been on his mind to contemplate that he is about to kill his son. Even though he knows that God would raise him, but he is about to kill his only hope, his only son. But to point to a bigger picture, like I told you, this story is about God. This story is about Jesus. Perhaps the father is presenting in this story the same, the same uh, reality that happened for us to be saved. The very climax of this story, according to the Hebrew chiasm that's found in Genesis 22, is found when, when Abraham is asked of Isaac, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide. Where is the sacrifice? And this speaks to the greatest communion that Jesus Christ had with the Father when they were devising or putting together the plan of redemption. It took Abraham three days. It took him long details, uh, long activities to actually go over or come to realization or make sense of giving his son. Perhaps maybe it took God the same. We read in Genesis, uh, we read in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and we think it was an easy task. But why did it take over a span of 4,000 years before he actually gave his son? Why did it take that long? Why did he have to go through the sanctuary? Uh, perhaps maybe God also went through the same uh, struggle that Abraham went through to give up his son. And if God went through all that, God the Father gave his only son, even though it's not expressed in the scriptures, but we learn from, from a characterization that through his acts, through the things that have expired, it was a struggle even for God to give his son. Will you give him your life today? Seeing that he had to go through all this, will you make a choice to choose him as your Lord and Savior? Thank you so much for joining us today as we're looking at Genesis chapter 22. I hope you've learned something and you can always share with your friends and family. And see you next time, two weeks from now, as we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 23. Thank you so much and God bless you.